Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. Welcome back everyone. I'm very excited today we have Tajinda Banwait with us. And I first met Tajinda earlier on this year, we were at a business dinner. Tajinda was a speaker, hugely impressive. And I said, I'd love to have her on the podcast. And Tajinda, you very kindly said yes. So thank you very much indeed for that. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. But let me explain what Tajinda does and why uh, she's such an impressive entrepreneur. So luxury candles and home fragrance. So that's very appealing to me for a start. Uh, But the thing that makes a big difference is that they are, all the candles are hand poured or handcrafted by artisans from Tajinda's factory in Leicestershire. So all made in the UK, very impressive and well done for that. Also, no testing on animals, again, very important. And in addition to that, you've recently won a Queen's Award for International Trade. So well done. So excited and looking forward to your story, Tajinda. Thank you. Yeah, it's a really exciting time in the business at the moment. So I'd just love to share the journey so far. Yeah. So big welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. Let's just start by asking you, what does great leadership mean to you? I mean, I think for me, great leadership is being visionary, Um, always having sight of the vision, making that right choice at the right time that gets you closer to the ultimate goal. It means having the focus to steer the ship through the icebergs, which means the crew must have trust in you. Um, I think that's what it means to me and inspiring the team to buy into that vision and clear mission or steps that we're going to take to get there. And really having everybody on board and sharing that bigger picture. Um, we find that people are more likely to take initiative and feel positive and being empowered about it. So there's a great power to be found in the collective. Um, there's never enough in the hours to do everything by yourself. So the team's really important. We well, said something there that's very interesting, Jinder. You said steer through the icebergs. So we both know that in growing a business, there are plenty of those. How have you managed to steer through those icebergs and what have been some of the big ones that you've had to steer through and how have you got through them? Yeah, I mean, I think at every stage um, of a business, there are always challenges, whether they're small or large. And no matter how you um, get through them, I think that shows your leadership style. Um, So a really good example, and I think I talked about it at the event that you were at, was when um, we started our business and very early doors, one of our biggest customers was a major retailer. And we took on that major retailer, we were really successful. Um, We sold through six months worth of stock in six weeks and we rolled out from 13 stores to 24 stores to 36 stores and onwards. Um, And after three years, five buyer changes, 
everybody's strategy changed and suddenly the brand that I'd created wasn't in demand you know it wasn't it wasn't what they, that buyer wanted for them um so you know quite quickly um I was told that we would be coming out of that store which happened to be our biggest customer at that time and it was working out how we were going to react to that um announcement um that sort of coincided me we coincided with me doing the Goldman Sachs program, um, 10,000 small businesses. And when I went on that program, I knew that we were going to lose our biggest customer. And I knew that the business had to change, but I just didn't know how. After all, I was paying the wages of lots of artisans. Um, we had a really good team and I didn't want to let anybody go. And um, I went on this program and after three months of working through it, I realized at the end of it that I needed to do a rebrand. I needed to look internationally and I needed to um, basically change the way I did business, go after a different consumer, but really make it an everyday product. So the brand that I'd initially created wasn't an everyday purchase. It was something that you would buy for Valentine's, for Christmas, for Mother's Day, but it wasn't giving us those everyday sales. So for me, I needed to change the brand and make it an everyday purchase. So something that you would buy, you know, any day of the week. And um, straight after that, I made the decision um, to sell through all the existing stock I had of my old looking brand um, so that I could move forward with a new one. And I was very fortunate that I had um, an, an avenue to clear all of our stock which was, you know, circa £300,000 worth of stock sitting in our warehouse at that point in time. So I sold through that stock. And I'd, I'd like to say within a few months, we had really started again. And in 2017, we launched the New Look brand, which is what you see today. But that was one of the biggest challenges. And I think if I hadn't have handled it the way I, I did, we definitely wouldn't be where we are today. Uh, very I'm sure you know there was lots of emotion in that and um, you talk about that very very factually and I think very often because it's your business there is a huge amount that's going on behind the scenes which you may or may not choose to share with your team because you're facing a very very big situation that could make or break the business yeah absolutely and I think you know I, I've always been very honest with the team. Mm -hmm. and I'm very fortunate that my family are involved in my business. And um, so obviously they're aware of all of those things that go with it. Um, so they know everything that's going on from that respect. Um, it's just, you know, our artisans wouldn't get sight of those issues no. straight away. But we've always been very honest and upfront about everything. Um, and it's just the way that I prefer to be. So was there a moment in time when you shared that with them or had you made your decisions about how you were going to progress and then you told them once you'd kind of worked out what you were going to do and how you were going to address it? No, I mean, for them, it was seamless. So they never really saw that um, because I made the decision quite quickly and we had a solution. So, you know, from that respect, 
I sort of sheltered them a little bit from that. Yeah. And um, that was just the way that it happened. Um, I, there was never any big announcement that we were changing direction. Everybody just really got on board and they really believed that what I was doing for the business was the right thing. I'd love to hear, Tijinda, how you developed as a leader through that situation. Uh, I'm sure there was lots of kind of emotional intelligence aspects um, about that that you had to, to deal with. But how did you develop through a tough difficulty, because a tough situation? Because I think many business leaders, small business owners are facing tough times. We know we've got potentially got them coming. It's how we respond to them, which is the important thing. So how, what did you learn from that? I think the, the thing that I learned the most, and, and before I um, went to that Goldman Sachs program, the reason I went on it was is because I felt very lonely in my business. And, and, and I think, you know, a lot of managers, directors, when it's your own business, feel that way. You, it, it, there's a saying, it's lonely at the top, and, and, and it is. So I went on the program initially because I wanted to network and in doing so and going on that program, and there are lots of them that are around these types of programs, but when I went on that program, there were businesses of varying sizes from a few hundred thousand pounds to, you know, tens of millions. And, you know, sat around the table, we all had similar issues and it was talking to those people. That's where I grow the most is through learning through others. And, that's what I learned and just talking things through with people and networking and sharing ideas being helpful and you know and I think that if you're kind and, and and I say this to my children all the time if you're kind and you don't fall out with people unnecessarily in business or friendship there's no reason why somebody wouldn't want to help you yes and that's what I found and I think for me I grew as a leader from learning from others um, I love to hear you talk about that and talk about kindness. I think it's such, it's um, it's not difficult to be kind, is it? And we need more of it in the world. We need more kindness. Um, it is it is important. And, and thank you for just kind of taking us through that situation and how you, you know, how you came through that and the impact it had on you. And it was very interesting. Two things that spring to mind. We had somebody else on the podcast recently talking about how lonely it is at the top. And they got into a very difficult situation with that loneliness. And thankfully, you found a networking group to really support you, um, which, which is brilliant. And also the other message from you is um, continue to learn. Yeah. And that is a key theme. We've had over 90 leaders on the podcast now. That's a key theme continue to learn absolutely learning all the time and um I, I really love learning that way it's better than giving me something written to read to learn i i learn through experience and don't get me wrong we all make mistakes but you know that if you make it made a mistake you won't make it again you know if you learn them learn from it um so I, i'm very much of the you know of that mindset that you can learn um, a lot from others. And, you know, when I was starting out um, in, in the beauty in the beauty sector, one of my managers um, was the best advocate for that. 
and I love the relationship that we had. She was so great. She was mentoring. She took me to meetings. She let me learn on the job. I got so much out of that relationship that that's put me in good stead for, for what I'm doing now. And I think if you have that person or that employer that has that and, and, and can really share their learnings with you, it's really important and powerful. And, and I you know you, you talk about on your LinkedIn profile of being a mentor as well. So I get the impression that you like to pay that back. Yeah, I think now that, um, you know, it's always difficult, isn't it? When you start up a business, you want to do things, but you can't. So the business is a little bit more established now. I have a little bit of time that I put aside for, for giving back. And I think it's really important. Um, so I work with um, the Prince's Trust. Um, I've, I've, I've been into, into um, schools on their Mosaic program. I also work with Santander on, on their women's initiative there as well for women's mentoring. Um, so anywhere I can, I really like to, to do that. And internally as well, um, we recognise that a lot of our employees didn't have a formal education, and, um, but they're really fantastic artisans and they know that process um, really well. So actually what we've done in-house because of their desire to learn and for their desire to, to have some sort of qualification is to create an in-house qualification for them that they get a certificate at the end of it, um, you know, in, in professional candle making. It's not the kind of thing that you can, you can go out and do and learn, but on a large scale, that's what they're doing. And for them, that's such a big reward um, to feel, you know, they've achieved something at the end of it because they're doing it. So why not reward them? Yeah, such a such a good point, isn't it? And for the development and learning new skills, just so essential that we need we need that in business. And we you know we are facing some big challenges around retaining talent. Yes. Has that impacted you at all in your business? It hasn't. You know what? We are a really um, family orientated business, and everybody that comes to us. Um, Nobody comes to us knowing how to make candles, so they all receive training to do that. And it's a real family environment. And literally every week, there is somebody celebrating something and arranging a lunch for everybody and bringing in food. It has that real family feel. And I really like that culture that we sort of created there. And actually, that was quite difficult to do. Um, when I started my business, I started it when my son was six months old. And... I started it at my kitchen table. So bringing in um, a workforce, I wanted to offer them 10 years ago, the same as what I had, which was flexibility around their children. And so we've got a workforce, um, not all of them now, but I'd say 90% of them still drop off their children and then come straight to work, leave just before pickup time and, 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 and work around their children. And I give everybody the same flexibility to do that. And because of that, we nurture much more loyalty. We get so much loyalty from them. And so when we're in our peak and they need to come back, they will drop them off to their husbands and family and feed them. And then they'll come back to work for a few hours. They'll work weekends. And, and you know, there's, there's that whole um, value of the business. They really feel like it's theirs. And we, we did some feedback, actually. We asked for some feedback from our team about their experience working for us. And it was really interesting. And um, they said that one of the employees said that 
the days that they're not there, they feel like they're missing out. And they, yeah. And what we found in our business was is that nobody was taking holidays because they wanted to be at work. So unless they had to be somewhere, they weren't taking holidays. So we really encourage them, no, really take your time off and enjoy your time off and you'll come back refreshed and even better. But it was a case of, um, they really enjoy it. They really love it. And, you know, it's a really nice place to be in. And I hope as we grow, we continue to nurture that. Well, that's amazing. You've got a team that don't want to take their holidays. And I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. What is it that you, how do you think you've created that? Tell me a little bit about your leadership style and how you think you've, I've got the sense of strong family values, sense of community. How do you develop that? So I think, you know, I very much work on the business. I'm not in on the day-to-day basis. So the, the reins are handed over to my family. So my parents are both involved in the business um, in a management capacity. And they really, you know, it has to come from somewhere. So it filters down from me. You know, this is the way that we've always wanted the business to look like. And I almost think you have to shape it in your mind as to where do you see that going? What does that culture look like? What does that mean? You know, what, what's involved in that? Um, so 10 years ago, when I started that flexible working arrangement, it was a big deal. And now everybody's doing it. You know, now everybody's offering that. Um, but I think that the family element is a huge part of it. And I think everybody feels valued in their roles. And there was always the opportunity to progress within the business. So I think that's why we retain them. So you've got that kind of clear succession plan for your team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we lose staff as well, but not very often. Mm-hmm. And, and that is because they've decided that they won't want to go back to studying or they want to progress even further. And yeah. we stay in touch with all of them. And, you know, we love to hear about their journeys. And, you know, we're, if we're a stepping stone in that journey, then, you know, we're really proud of that. And we're, we're proud that we've contributed to their story. Why, in this sense, you know, it's just a brilliant way to be working. You've got that strong culture in your business. People want to not, you know, not go on holiday and and, and really enjoy working with you and your family and then the business. What do you think stops other businesses from being like that? Because really, it just makes sense to have an organisation like this. And what do you think gets in the way in other businesses that prevents it being like this? I think predominantly size. I think as you grow, it becomes more corporate. Um, I've definitely worked for businesses at both ends of the spectrum. And I think that as you grow and you bring in more leadership within your business and definitely different management structures, um, that can change quite a lot as to the way you operate. But ultimately, it comes from the top. That directive really comes from the top. And I think that as a family owned, 100% owned business, um, you know, by myself, then I am that person that makes that decision. I think down the line, should that change, then that's where you would see changes. But I think everybody is trying to adopt more flexible policies within their businesses. Um, So I I hope that I can maintain it. Uh, I definitely hope that. I feel convinced that you'll be able to just from, um, you know, how strongly you feel about it. 
What practical tips would you give um, business owners who think this sounds like a culture? I'd love to have this in my business. I'd love to advance to that stage. Are there any practical tips that you would you would give them to make that happen? I mean, I think that it's a case of sitting down and working out and mapping out what you see your organisation looking like, whether that's short term, long term, and way into the future. And I think map out who's involved in that, you know, in terms of looking at your organisational planning as well. There is so much that goes into that. And I think for us, that sort of weaves into how we work. Um, so I think mapping out what you envisage it to look like, but also it evolves with time, doesn't it? And you can add on bits. And I think that there's a huge pressure for companies to come up with a strategy and a direction of way they should be working. But actually, it sort of evolves and it comes about naturally sometimes. And I think that's the best way to do it rather than forcing something that isn't quite there. Um, so I think working out what's really important to them as a leader and for their businesses and then taking those steps to achieve that. That sounds, that sounds like a really sensible next step. So let's touch on your growth, Jindy. You started your business in 2011, 2012. Yeah. And what's, what's the sort of scale of your business now? What's, what are your growth plans and what are you looking to achieve going to the future? So, um, so we, we have grown hugely um, over the last few years. Um, I would say that the, the best indicator I can give you is that in the last three years, we have grown 168%. Um, oh, not much. Yeah, not much. And 47% um, of our business today is now international. And that's what we won the Queen's Award for. Um, and, and, and that was a challenge in itself. Um, we knew that there was a lot of planning involved in, in this. And when I came off that programme with Goldman Sachs, I knew that I wanted to expand the brand internationally. And we weren't actually international at that point in time. Um, but my um, view is that if you want to be successful internationally, you have to be right in your own market first before you roll it out so you can catch any snags and, and just be sure that you're absolutely confident with rolling out. And so we did that. And when we were ready to go internationally, um, which was four years ago, really, um, we started the process and I knew from my conversations with the department, you know, the trade and industry, that there was this Queen's Award for international trade. And I thought all those years back, I really want that. And so with that in mind, we've been building up to that. And one of the criteria for it was you have to have three years of growth um, and high growth is seen as over 20% year on year. Um, but collectively for us, it was 168%. We're in 30 countries now and um, we've grown phenomenally. And to then apply for it and then to win it was so amazing. And, you know, our whole team, it was really a team effort. I couldn't have done it without them. We've all worked so hard to get there. And um, yeah, it, it's amazing. Everybody's so thrilled and um, to be recognized in that way, it's great. It's a phenomenal achievement and, you know, big congratulations 
to you making that happen and you said it's you know it's been a hard process a lot of work to get there and very often again you know we we see the badge and we see that you've won the award we don't know what's going on behind the scenes to make that happen absolutely i'm sure there's been you know all sorts of moments as you've you've you know managed to achieve that award so what's for the future for you to jinder you know 46 countries and and is it more growth to those countries or is it expanding out into different countries? What's, what's your vision for the future? The, the plan is to keep growing internationally. Um, it's to continue growing in the UK as well. Um, we've got a fantastic um, partners in those markets, which is really what drives the brand. Um, we are looking for distributors in certain markets at the moment. Um, so we'll continue just with that search to find the rights right partners for us there um but i think the biggest challenge i've got right now is in actually in finding larger premises in leicestershire i think that's my biggest challenge right now um to sort of see us through the next few years of growth we're trying to um stay in leicestershire um, with leicestershire's only um, candle manufacturing business um but finding premises to accommodate us in one one space is proving quite challenging so that's what we're looking to do we're continuing to grow and um there'll be more on this story i'm sure in the future i'm sure there will be and uh leicestershire is part of the golden triangle for distribution so uh, you're in a very good place yes absolutely yeah. um so i hope you find some new premises very 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 soon because it's going it could hinder the growth if you don't have it it's that production capability i presume that you're you're really looking to expand yeah absolutely i mean it's we're okay but at the moment but we need to sort of plan for the future and if we don't do that now we will really yeah. struggle in a year two years down the line so we're really trying to find the right thing and unfortunately it's very competitive in leicestershire as well so um but we you know we want to retain our workforce so it's really important that we find something that works for everybody yeah yeah and i did have the privilege of going around a, a candle factory it wasn't yours unfortunately but it was another one and it's not actually easy to make candles is it i mean again it seems to be a simple product on the surface of it but there are many many complications in getting it right yeah there are it, it is a technical business i yeah. think People don't actually understand all the, the, the technical elements of it. Um, there are something like there must be thousands of wicks in the whole yeah. world that you have to find to match that vessel um, and then test it. And there, there is a huge amount of time that goes into developing a candle. Um, we spend six months, up to six months, perfecting hours before they even hit the shelves. Um, so there's a huge amount of development that we do um, within the business. And this, the business started, you know, you started the business, but this all came from passion from you about fragrance um, and aroma. And when did you actually decide, you know, this is what I want to do? Is this some, a dream that you've had for a long time before you started your business or? Yeah, is it yeah, it's, it's, so I've always been passionate about the beauty industry. Um, my first job was actually working for Calvin Klein at the age of 16 in my local house of Fraser store um, selling perfume and um, it was actually the CK1 fragrance which was the first unisex fragrance at that time 
Um, so a very long time ago, and if you think back to how revolutionary that product was, it was really quite difficult to sell actually until we spritzed it on people. But from that, I gained a real love of fragrance. And coming from an Asian background, it wasn't the sort of normal route to take, I would say. Um, you sort of, I was encouraged to do other things like law or go into other areas. And, and I tried law for a while and I'm a qualified paralegal in three subjects, probably outdated now, but um, I decided to go for a management degree, which would then allow me to apply it to any um, sector that I chose down the line. Um, I also come from a really entrepreneurial family as well. Um, so I think that for me, I always knew that I would go out, get lots of commercial experience before setting up my own business. And I think my family knew ultimately it would be in the beauty industry. Um, and, and, and that's where we've sort of ended up. But um, yeah, absolutely. I love choosing the fragrances and developing new products. Um, I am the nose as well for the business. So everything that you, you smell and it, it really comes from me. And you've been very successful, haven't you, in getting into large organisations with your, with your product. How have you managed to do that? So again, really going back to when one of my employers um, that was actually in the in working for a, a Bath and Body brand, a well-known Bath and Body brand. My um, employer there, my boss, um, was amazing, and she took me to these meetings. I never knew how to sell to buyers, but I just watched what was going on, and I learned over time. And then I was uh, promoted to become their national account manager, and uh, I worked in a number of roles dealing with buyers. So from that respect, I understand how to, to approach a buyer and what's expected. Um, but when it's your own baby, it's quite different. And you always take rejection very personally, whereas you don't when you work for somebody else and it's, and it's theirs. Um, so I think that in the early days, it was quite difficult, but we, we have been really successful with um, breaking through into major retailers, such as the Conrad Shop, Heels, House of Fraser, Selfridges, Fennec, um, we've got over 400 stockists um, worldwide as well. So really, really grown over the last few years. Again, very impressive and, uh, and very, very well done. Thank Are you. there any practical tips that you would like to leave our listeners with? Not you know, anything about your experience and, and um, what you've achieved to encourage other entrepreneurs to help other business leaders kind of grow their, grow their company? Um, I would say that um, really um, networking is the key, isn't it? And I think that spending time with other people, other people, not necessarily just in your sector, um, but really sort of getting to know other industries. And I've now made a huge network of people in various sectors that can help me with something, even if they're not in my, in my, in my category. Um, and I think that's really good. And I think it's great to share experience and knowledge. Um, so I think that that's the thing that I would, I would focus on. And I think that we're coming to some difficult times um, over the next few years, you know, all the doom and gloom that's been predicted. And I think that we learn a lot from others. So I think that talking to other people will really help us and see us through. Um, and I'm always an advocate for 
seeking out advice, you know, talking to those industry experts. So if you want to go international, speak to you know the Department of Trade and Industry. If you you know want some help with funding and growth, speak to your local growth partnership or your in, in Leicestershire, it's Lelep. Um, so it, you know, go out there and and, and try and um, find people because they're willing to help. It's just knocking on the door in the first instance. I agree with that completely. People are generally very willing to help and support you. Yeah. And people enjoy helping and supporting other people, don't they? It's um, it's it's a good thing and people love to do it. So as we come to an end to Jinder, are there any particular aspects or anything you'd like to share with our listeners about your business, but maybe you know, projects you've got where they can um, access your products, anything that you would like to share? Um, I would say, um, yeah, absolutely. You can visit our website and, and have a look at our products. Obviously, do visit our stockist and um, you can see and smell all of the products there. Um, just really um, what I wanted to do was just leave with one last challenge that we face um, that just might help um, if somebody is in a similar situation. And that is um, very early on when we started the business, um, we were working with a manufacturer to manufacture our product and they let us down and literally overnight, my dad said to me, what are you doing? Why don't we just do it ourselves? It's all process. Let's just learn the process. And that's what we did. We bought a candle making machine, never having made a candle before that. We didn't know where to start. We had to find somebody to teach us how to make the candles. We took on a unit where, which was one of the first units that were based in Bilsden, um, is now it was two and a half thousand square foot and we literally had this one meter machine um, that was one meter squared in the middle of this two and a half thousand square foot not knowing how to use it how we were going to get from a to b but we learned the process and in doing that we knew that we created a far superior candle than our manufacturer could have made for us and we've got so much control over that it was one of the best things that we could have ever done so I think that when people are finding things challenging, just take a step back and have a think and just remember it's all process and there's got to be a solution to that. Um, so that's what I would like to leave on. Thank you. A very inspiring note. On, and thank you for sharing that. An inspiring note on which to end. Shinda, it's been really incredible to chat to you and I know our listeners as well will really wish you every, every success continued success going forward and a very inspiring conversation with you thank you so much thank you thanks Rebecca thanks for having me on thank you for listening to our podcast and as always if you enjoyed it we welcome a review and if you have any questions and like to get in touch with us you can do that at the rjen rjen.co.uk website